Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight on Rome Business Radio. We are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I'm Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio. And I'm Thomas Kisslet with the Rome Floyd Chamber. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Roger. How's it going? You bought a big party gang here today, I yes, see. Yes, yes. <laughs> you got lots of caffeine and the news. <laughs> <laughs> so would you, would you introduce our guest, please, here on yes, the Small, yes. small Business you know, I usually have a, have a quote, which I throw in at the end. But, you know, I thought today, oh, yeah. you know, I stopped with that. Arthur Miller said one time, a good newspaper, I suppose, is a nation talking to itself. Okay, now we get to ponder that, and we're all shaking our head thinking about it, but this is a podcast (laughs) (laughs) as we ponder that. And we are talking to ourselves, right? And to our membership out there and to... um to the world. Yeah, your, so your point there is face-to-face connectivity and and, Correct. and communication and Correct. I, I follow you. And that Correct. was Arthur Miller? Arthur Miller. He was a playwright, right? Right. Okay. Dead of a salesman. Ah, I, <laughs> you're taking me back to high school. And was he married to Marilyn Monroe? Is that the one that was married to Marilyn Monroe? I think so. Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. If not, he is now. <laughs> Thomas, introduce our guest, please, sir. Sure. I'm going counterclockwise today. Um, to my right is John Truckenmiller, and he doesn't need much uh, introduction. And he is representing today Rome News Tribune. And Breaking you know, news. Breaking news. <laughs> um, although we are familiar with him with the hometown headline news um, that he has. And then... Uh, Across the table from me is uh, Danny uh, Watt Waits. Uh, he's with the Rome Coca-Cola Bottling Company. That's the correct term. And he's also with the BOE, Board of Education, uh, Rome Floyd, yeah. right? Floyd it, School System? Yes. It, yeah, he told me we're not talking about that. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's just caffeine today. Just caffeine. <laughs> and across from me is Mike Schiefer, and he's with Lumina Coffee Company. And uh, welcome, everybody. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How are we Good doing? Morning. Terrific. Thank you. Uh, well, okay, Mike, um, you got your caffeine blast going this morning at Lumina Coffee? Yes, I did. Absolutely. Uh, so you just told us you celebrated your third anniversary. Congratulations. Correct. Thank you. So just tell us about Lumina Coffee, kind of the big, the big vision and why you guys decided to do it and where things stand. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's great to be here, by the way. And thank you all for just being a part of it. Uh, Coffee and Connection, that's what we like to thank. And uh, we're doing uh, both of those today. Um, Just being here and connecting. But thank you for that. Third year anniversary, correct. Uh, My son and I really started this about six years ago in ideation stage. Took us three years to launch three years ago. And like I say, completed that on February 15th. It's been great in the sense that all startup businesses have that first year that we all excitingly get through. And uh, and as an introduction to this great Rome market in Floyd County. But then, of course, as we all know, year two comes along and we get uh, a pandemic. And we're still obviously all of us dealing with that. But what it has done for us is made us stronger um, because it's been a community connection for the most part. Uh, people have needed, I think, something even more than a coffee shop. They need a place to actually reside and see smiles and happy faces and be warmly greeted. And I think that's one of the ethos of what we wanted to do from the get-go. That's why we called it Lumina, which is the plural of lumen. And that's a source of light or a uh, measurement of light. Think about going to that uh, local hardware store and grabbing some light bulbs and there's 500 lumens and we kind of take that for granted, but it's really a source of light or a measurement of light. We try to be that. And then we wrap some really great stuff around it, like great coffee and 
great food and just great atmosphere and great people. That's kind of been the, the whole idea. We've made it three years, so we're, we're really pleased <laughs> and through for, COVID. And, and for those that don't know, tell us about where you're located. Yeah, um, the best way for us to describe it, I guess, is right across from the Rome Brave Stadium. It's always a great landmark, but uh, right there on the corner of really uh, Memorial and the Connector, which has been phenomenal. We built it from the ground up on that corner lot there, which was really a neat experience to get on that corner and be sort of forward facing to the community. And it's been great. That's where we're at. All right. Thanks, Mike. We will circle back around. Uh, Danny with the Rome Coca-Cola bottling company, uh, wearing his Coca-Cola swag shirt. You know, so you guys are an up and coming business, this Coca-Cola thing. You think it's going to take off? Well, we, we are emerging. We're, we're hopeful that uh, the brand will take off and, and become recognized. Uh, the cursive logo, man, that's got to be known globally. Um, tell us just a little bit about the, the Rome Coca-Cola bottling. What You were explaining to me before the show what people may not know about the syrup and your entity and things like that. Yeah, interestingly enough, most people just assume that Coca-Cola is one big entity. While, in fact, you have the Coca-Cola company that, for a lack of better terms, produces the syrup in the commercials. And then uh, that is produced and distributed by all the local or, or independent distributors. So we are actually Rome Coca-Cola United Bottling. Uh, we cover the southeastern portion of the United States. We are the oldest bottler in the world in its entirety. Rome Coca-Cola, uh, which is a derivative of what the Barron family did here, is actually uh, disputed fifth or sixth oldest bottler in the world. So we are um, joined together, but uh, altogether independent of each other as well. We cover seven counties in northwest Georgia and Cherokee County in Alabama. So geographically, if you have a Coke anywhere in northwest Georgia or Cherokee County, Alabama, it came right out of out of uh, our distributorship here in Rome. So you're down on Broad Street having a Sprite or a Coca-Cola with your sandwich at lunch. It came from us. That's exactly <laughs> right. And um, It's funny. We, we jokingly talk about an emerging brand. Uh, while we are one of the more recognized brands in the world through innovation, we offer now over 700 different variations of our drinks. Seriously? Seriously. So we're, <laughs> we're into uh, not to compete with Lumina by no means. Great product. We, we've, uh, we're in energy, uh, you know, Powerade, Body Armor, Monster, uh, of course, all the Coca-Cola products. So a lot of people most times will say, you know, I love this particular drink. Do you guys make that? And I'm like, yes, we do. We have 700 different versions. So from distributorship and uh, more specifically warehousing, it becomes difficult at times to navigate all of it. And innovation is always trying new to see what the next best thing is. Well, as I told him before the show, I am a Sprite Fanta Orange guy. <laughs> Those are my go-to soft drink beverages. Uh, pretty unusual. Most people, I guess, go to Coke first or Diet Coke or something, but I, I'm the Sprite Fanta Orange guy. All right, thanks, uh, Danny. We will circle back around. Uh, John Druckenmiller. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How y'all doing today? Uh, we are hunky-dory, as we say down south. Uh, John, you are just straight-up old-time news guy, right? You got to throw the old in there. Right? Yeah, no, okay. Just, yeah, just, I was well, going to say, I used to drink tabs, and I don't know, Danny probably know what that is anymore. So. Um, but um, everybody around here knows you for hometown headlines, but you have a long, distinguished career in, in journalism. And um, But uh, recently, for those who may not know, 
Uh, you're now back with the Rome News Tribune under their umbrella with Hometown Headlines. Tell us about that, if you that's don't a, mind. That's a great way to put it. By the way, and we said, uh, Danny, we're going to leave you alone on the school board stuff. I was hoping to get some good Jay Shell and Chip Hood stories out of you. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. Uh, no, we're back with the Rome News Tribune. Uh, this deal came down uh, the first part of February. We are now, I, I described it as kind of a wholly owned subsidiary. We are still standalone. We are still free. We are still what we were, you know, uh, for the last 18 years, but we now work in much more unison. John Bailey, Severo, Diane, everybody. Um, we we, tear, we team up on a few things, and uh, we share a lot of content right now. You'll see stuff from us in print. Uh, we'll rip them off for some information we need for hometown headlines as well. We hope it's a nice synergy, and it's uh, kind of nice to get back into the print world again. I did newspapers for you know decades and have been doing hometown headlines now for 18 years, a little bit of radio wow. on the side, some yep. podcasts as well. And uh, now, you know, back with a print component as well. So it's kind of like kind of old school, kind of new school. Right. Well, you were one of the first people to innovate and, and go online. Um, so tell us about that decision to do that, the risk that was involved at the time. And you've really built that brand over the last couple of decades. Uh, but the initial decision came with some risk. It did indeed. That's funny. The hometownheadlines.com, we've owned that URL actually for almost, I guess, 25 to 30 years. My goal at one time was if and when I ever retires, and I'd break that off and put out, and you'll get a kick out of this, uh, do a fast food for um, public relations. Basically do a McDonald's, if any competition here, sorry guys, <laughs> McDonald's type uh, public relations. Come in, give us 50 bucks, we do your press release, you move on. And that's just kind of like one of those back, back goals. Uh, in 2004, we had a little disagreement with the then ownership of the newspaper, and we had just moved here uh, a couple years earlier, we wanted to move here to raise our son. We were members of St. Mary's Church. We wanted him to go to St. Mary's School. So you you moved here to work for the paper. We did, yeah. yeah moved okay. here for that. But the also, and also the Rome Braves just announced as well, we're minor league baseball fans, baseball fans. So it was like win-win. We wanted to raise our son in a nice community, and this one fit the bill perfectly. And that's how we decided to move up here. The job opened up. Um, things worked out. We did well. We enjoyed it. Some, you know, some old person, and nothing really kinky, but some, you know, some personality and management issues came up between us and the management of the then of the newspaper. We decided to stay. In fact, uh, I got my papers that morning. We walked out, got the cell phone number and walked to a buddy of mine. Y'all may recall him, the late David W. Hall III, and said, I want a website. We're going to do some kind of marketing thing here, and we'll do news on the side. We did news on the side when we launched on January 28th, and the immediate response, even back in the old days of 2004, we were able to track, you know, the the news response was incredible. So we said, to heck with the PR, marketing, whatever, we're going straight to the news. And uh, like I said, that first year, oh yeah, it was uh, it was some tight years. It was a you know tight couple of things, but it took us time to convince folks that we're here, we're sincere, we have the same ethics of any news organization. We've always followed the AP and Associated Press Managing Editors Guidelines for Ethics, and we still do. We separate news. We separate advertising. And um, we, it was a slow growth period for a while. I mean, there's a lot of side job. What do you call it? Side hustles? Side hustle. I was hustling. <laughs> Believe me, a person my size doesn't hustle too well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and we thank God, thanks to the support of our advertisers, our readers, our sponsor here, Hardy Realty, have been a huge, huge component of that. Uh, we've we've made it, and um, this latest opposition or acquisition, I guess, kind of gives us even uh, more of an audience. 
Fantastic! Congratulations. Thank you. Good for you. Um, yeah, we're we're big fans of Hardy. They they're our studio sponsor, and of course, they're very active in the community. Um, Mike, we, we just heard a little bit about John's background. Mike with Lumina Coffee. What is your background? What what brought you into the coffee business three years ago? Well, actually, uh, interestingly, I had been in the coffee business almost my whole life up until some ministry moves. But um, back when I had uh, met my wonderful wife, we moved out to Portland, Oregon. I started with a young company out there at the time, very small company. You might recognize the name. Uh, they're Starbucks. And uh, yeah. I don't recall, I kind of like that's the Coca-Cola <laughs> brand a bit uh, today. But I started with those guys in 1993, worked for them for 18 years. I only had the idea back then that I would work from six to eight months with them and learn as much as I could and venture off and do my own thing. Well, 18 years later, um, I had then exited, but that journey took me from their 165 stores. They were so excited they were going to hit their 200th. And uh, that's when I started. And I left when there was 19,000. Today, they have almost 30,000. So that 18-year run was a great background to everything coffee. It was amazing of what was experienced. And uh, my family journeyed with me from Portland to Seattle, uh, back to Portland. We spent two years in the Bahamas on an international assignment and ended up in Miami, Florida, running Latin America. And that then took us from that journey into the ninth largest church in the United States in a mega church. I was their CEO and executive administrator for five years. And during that journey from sort of the profit world of coffee to the church world of congregation, uh, got an opportunity through uh, the Windship Foundation to come up here and be their president. So I've been doing that for seven years, but as long as that has all occurred in the last seven, part of that was the journey with my son to open up Lumina. So Lumina was really um, 25 years after the idea, it finally materialized and we could actually do something uh, here locally for the community and, and in a way that sort of nurtured a spirit of a long time ago. So there you go. That story is fast. I can say it. Well, that's interesting because obviously the hook of this podcast is business. And, you know, this is the chamber show. Some people get an idea and they dive in and they learn as they go. Um, we had a guest last week, Rontavius Coley, who, who opened the early way on broad. And he was like, hey, you know, uh, I learned about taxes, <laughs> You know, it's like the, the the stuff like that. But so so some people dive in, but you germinated it for a quarter of a century. Uh, but there's still entrepreneurial risk. So talk about the decision to actually finally go forth. Yeah, really great one. You know, and sometimes, and John, you referenced your son, and our families are hugely important, and they also drive us at times. I mean, in a very positive way. And when my son was kind of creating his aspirations of life. And we started to have this father-son conversation and that really sort of fueled the fire. And when we started to think about different opportunities and ways to do something really well, uh, we resorted back to what his dad knew me uh, the most. And between the ministry world and the coffee world, I said, wow, this could, this could really work. We think Rome's a really unique and wonderful place to be. And uh, I like those sentiments too, John. And we said, wow, let's let's think this through. And as we did, we connected up with a lot of great people around here just for some good ideas and some, I'll say, local wisdom. And some of those business and entrepreneurs said, you know, absolutely, this is, this is good. But, you know, be patient, be steady, uh, be strong in it. Um, don't give up, don't give in, and work hard and persevere. And those are some of the characteristics we kind of came with as a package anyway. So certainly um, a few different folks helped us look at some variety of properties. And once we kind of landed on one, um, it just made a lot of sense to build our own the way we would really like to see it built. It has a lot of features in it that are pretty unique. 
uh, some that resonate to the past and some are uniquely um, our own. And we got the opportunity to do that. And that's where the cross from the Romeberry Stadium made a ton of sense. Uh, the configuration of it made a lot of sense. And I think the opportunity for just to be something unique to the market was what we went after. Uh, Danny with Rome Coca-Cola Bottling, you, your job title is Warehouse Operations Manager. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about you know, what your role is and what's your background. You've been with them 20 years or so, I think you said. Yeah, 23 years. Um, it, it's funny, there again, the misconception. So you see a large company like Coca-Cola, and we always think about the brands and uh, you know, we have these nostalgic memories of a cookout or, or you know, dinner at grandma's house where we have um, our favorite Coca-Cola product. But on the back side of that is um, something more intrinsic to us. And that's the opportunities that you have within the Coca-Cola family. I started in October of 99 with, with Coca-Cola. I was originally a Rome native. We moved below Atlanta. I began my career below Atlanta uh, at a Coca-Cola facility. Uh, strangely enough, on night shift, I was a young guy then, still had a little hair. And uh, <laughs> those for, were, the, for those listening to our podcast, he doesn't have much now. No, it's, it's, uh, it would be very hard to find any on, on my head. But um, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, John and I, we're, we could be brothers by different hair mother, club, hair club. <laughs> but um, young guy, not sure what I wanted to do yet. So went to work with Coke night shift, sweeping floors, um, and and grew from there. And it it was the the fact that there was a, a genuine opportunity. Uh, for a young person that didn't have you know a, a lot of aspirations as to a clear direction what they wanted to do with a career so I just worked hard as cliche as it sounds worked hard uh, absorbed everything that I could uh, took me about five years to figure out hey I may, I may like this business and uh, it really began to progress from there uh, I've, I've held many different roles within the company uh, to have a broader foundation here at the Rome location, uh, when we interview uh, candidates for employment, one of our bragging points is is every single manager, every single supervisor uh, at that location, we each began our career in an entry-level position, and we worked our way up. And, uh, you know, in, in today's climate, we always want to highlight diversity. Uh, we're very uh, aware that diversity – is a, a huge concept and predominantly comes from your story, John, is part of your diversity. And Thomas, uh, Mr. Schieffer, all of us, our diversity is really our own life story. And we at Coke, uh, a principle that I try to incorporate now with all the managers and supervisors and employees is uh, we provide resource, opportunity, and direction so that the only component left is execution. Um, <clears throat> so there's opportunity there. Uh, I, I didn't have, I was such, such a young guy, I had worked several jobs, menial labor jobs, if you would. Uh, got in with the Coca-Cola company, liked their ethics, liked their integrity, uh, saw a world of opportunity, and just worked hard and took advantage of it. So uh, do you have the recipe? Um, <laughs> so we're very particular about that. No, there's only about six people in the entire world that has the recipe in its entirety. So when we, when we actually bottle this stuff, different departments get different components of it and they're never made aware 
only their only small segmented portion until it all comes together. But uh, I'd love to have the recipe. So you're not one of the six? I'm not one of the six. <laughs> I don't know how you get in that club, but I'm looking for it. Well, I think you guys have a deal with Colonel Sanders, right? Kind of like what their recipe is for the chicken. You got the you got the thing with the Coke, too? Y'all never, y'all never hooked up and chained? Okay. Um, uh, yeah, we – it's just such a major brand. It's just crazy that, uh, anyway, um, uh, John, um, talk to me about, cause this is maybe more of interest to me than others in the room, but I hope everybody finds it interesting. The changes in, in journalism and platforms over your career. Um, you know, you jumped in digital early. Uh, now you, you, you commented on how it's kind of refreshing to be back a little bit in the print world. Um, I guess there was a time where people thought newspapers might go away, but they haven't. Uh, my dad still has to have the paper in his hand oh, every a day. A lot of folks do. Um, just, just talk about the changes and how that's affected journalism. It's funny you should say that. I um, also, in my, uh, in my what's it called, so my side hustle years, I also was an adjunct professor at Barry College. In uh, 2003 or four, um, I went out and my first assignment was to do three classes a semester on basic editing and writing. And we had, you know, we had the book and we wrote the syllabus and everything else. And back then, the book used to be maybe 75% print and then maybe, you know, 20% uh, broadcast, maybe 5% on, you know, um, internet, whatever. The last time I did it was just before I started doing radio, 2010, 2011, and it had chipped almost 100%. I mean, print was a tiny part of that. It was more about, it was more about internet, uh, heavy on broadcast and not quite as heavy as newspapers, as print part. The bottom line though is that we can say what you want to say about all the changes with internet, with Facebook, with, you know, all social media, everything else. The bottom line of journalism has not changed one iota. It is still, people say, oh, you're biased, you do whatever. No, it's not. The ethics are still there, rigid ethics, as a matter of fact, the fairness quotient. Uh, You know, working closer with John Bailey now, John is one of the most ethical guys you're going to meet in the business, never alone just Rome. And the same thing with uh, Otis, the folks who run the papers, I mean, the Marietta paper, they have very rigid, and give them credit. We talk about, you know, print and where we're going in this business. And this is going to sound like I'm sucking up to my new bosses. And believe me, I'm not. We are. I mean, our deal's done, so I don't need to suck up anymore. I get a paycheck, yeah, but still. Uh, seriously, <laughs> think about these guys. They've come into this market and doubled down twice now to purchase local news operations. They've also purchased over in the Madison area, which before, they did that before all this stuff came up with the new EV vehicle plant going down there. How many, how many groups do you know in the state that are going out, maybe in the region, and expanding their local footprint, local right. information, local journalism footprint. These guys are among a rare few. Right. Well, and th- from a business perspective, whether it's digital or print or broad- what have you, uh, it's still about eyeballs to the product yep. to sell an advertisement that people might see while they're engaging in the news. So the business model really hasn't changed. But, of course, it's a digital ad or a print ad Correct. or a podcast ad or what have you. But but from a business perspective, it really hasn't changed a lot over the years, has it? Not at all. Now, and, of course, and, and let's emphasize this. There's still a very major wall between news and advertising. People think, oh, you're second up to them. That, we can say that in the podcast. <laughs> you do that because um, – you know, because advertising. No, another way, other way around. And, and, and I'll tell you what, every one of our customers at Hometown Headlines for 18 years, we've never had somebody say, well, I put an ad on your thing, so I want a better play. Doesn't happen. They, they understand, no, we separate news and we separate advertising, a strong ethical wall there, and they abide by that wall. And I think it gives us more trust in the community that what you're seeing is what really happens. 
Well, yeah, and that's I, I would say that corporate structure exists everywhere. I have a television background, and sales and news never interacted. Uh, you just, I mean, you'd see them on the elevator and go, "Hey, how are you?" But um, it was it was rare. You know, sales and programming will interact, uh, but news was it's it's a standalone operation as it should be. Personal question for: you. Did you ever date date anybody in your single days? Date anybody on the advertising side when you were in the news, whatever side you were on? I did. Yeah, wasn't it always fun? <laughs> I had to explain that. Well, honey, you know we got the news side here. Anyway, that, that always created a little bit of interesting pillow talk, I guess. Um, no comment. <laughs> now, now you now you got me flustered. I digress. Um, Mike, one of the things we, we like to touch on here that is just I don't know what's curious to me, but just trying to stay focused on business. Um, and obviously, you're Lumina Coffee, and I'll ask the same thing of Coca Cola because it's two different things. Obviously, how do you choose to market yourself here? We were talking about advertising. Do you do ads? Do you do social media? Is it word of mouth because of your great product and service? But what, how do you how do you choose to let people know about you doing doing podcasts like this? <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great, Roger. Absolutely, yes. I mean, really, um, it is most certainly word of mouth, and it's one of the strongest things. But I think you also have to put things in front of them, and you have to be frequent about it. And that's where Facebook, Instagram, Twitter come into play. Absolutely, positively, uh, a good website. We just redid ours completely from end to end. We're still in our last probably third and fourth stages of a new web design in order to basically tell the story, but also to um, just share what's happening and keep sort of top of mind. And I think it's really important in the business world is be top of mind because if you're not, someone else will be. Well, and you touched on something there that I'm a firm believer in. The key to marketing is consistency. Uh, you don't just do a one-off thing and think, oh, okay, uh, that's going to get me new customers. Uh, you gotta, you got to constantly reinforce it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we're also trying to take on, and for all the business leaders out there, they're really trying to master what they do and, and tell the right story. Um, there's uh, Donald Miller's got a good author out there and he uh, basically says and tries to explain how to make the customer or the guest. And we use the word guest versus customer, but how to make them the hero. And it's a really, really awesome concept about how do you make them the hero, right? How do you give them the experience or the value proposition that says there's something super, super um, meaningful to them versus us as the business owner or leader. And that's a, that's a real 180 degree turn for a lot of people to make them the hero versus tell them what we want them to hear. That's interesting. Um, Danny Coca-Cola, obviously globally known. Uh, but I, I want to touch on the story we were chatting a little bit about before the podcast, the Coca-Cola mural. Um, tell us a little bit about you guys doing that. And, you know, that's a form of marketing, you know, <laughs> well, it is, um, Fortunately for us, at the, at the risk of sounding a little bit presumptuous, our, our brand is so big, the contour bottle and the cursive script is, is recognized worldwide. And so while we are an independent bottler and, and we do t- uh, the prescribed measures of advertising and things, um, for us, what we enjoy is while we're a corporation representing the southeastern portion of the United States, each individual location is given the autonomy to treat it like it's a privately owned business for that community. And so what we do is is a little bit what um, Mr. Schieffer had alluded to in that what what legacy or what footprint do we leave behind? So we've been around so long now that everybody recognizes the Coke brand. So really what we have to sell is the service. 
the service and the price. I mean, if you want a Coke, you're going to drink a Coca-Cola or, or whatever product that may be. But it becomes more imperative for us that we give back to the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds a little bit like a sales pitch, but it really is what we try to do. So whether it's partnering with local schools, uh, the recreation department, or even some, to some degree, private entities uh, raising money through a, a golf event. And, and we, we become the corporate sponsor for South Rome Alliance or, or whatever that may be. So our our presence is known, but it's not so much about the advertising is that our commitment that folks have been so good to us, we want to be good back to them. Now, along with that, on the local side, uh, we'll do a few radio spots. Um, a, a lot of the small hometown feel of uh, you go to a ball game and you're going to see a Coca-Cola sign hanging on the fence. So, you know, we're going to see the commercials on national TV and all that, but where does it really hit me where we live? So if you're in Rome, Georgia, and you driving down uh, 411 and you see a big billboard, it's got a huge bottle cap on there, and it says Tops in Rome. And you know that you know that Rome Coca Cola has been there since the early 1900s, and we have Barron Stadium here in Rome that from the Barron family. There's a connectivity of community there, so that you're not just buying a soft drink; you're actually all tied together. I have countless stories. I, I had the pleasure of, of meeting your father, Mister Mass, before the podcast started, and we we talked about the old thing is everything used to come in glass bottles, and. Um, At the bottom of it years ago, it would tell you where that glass uh, was made and where the product might have been produced. And so the old thing was you pull a glass bottle out of the vending machine and you place a dollar beforehand to see who had the bottle from the furthest destination away. A little little wagering as you got a a refreshment. And um, so, of course, that was a little predates my time a little bit. But when we were doing this mural at the end of Broad Street, uh, the owner of that building there, uh, we were talking about the glass bottles and all. He said, well, I found a couple of glass bottles in the basement that I'd love to give you. And it was a little bit of a rare thing to find one that had Rome, Georgia on the bottom of it. He comes up and both of them have Rome, Georgia on there. And I'm like, wow, do I owe you a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, don't forget uh, the polar bear. The polar, the polar bear. bear. I, I have a personal experience, actually, from a business side. Um, when we had the ice skating rink, um, I, we, we work out together. We see each other in the, in the Y. And, you know, I keep, kept bugging him, bring me that bear, bring me that bear, you know. And um, that was a huge draw, you know. Uh, and people, you know, yes, they, um, they, you know, compare that with the brand itself. But, you know, that's, that's something where you're right there in the community and helping out the community. We advertise the bear, and um, you know it's just a, a nice way to to give back as well. Well, as far as that goes, you have some iconic symbols that go along with the Coca Cola. So one of the bigger ones was the iconic Santa Claus, uh, late twenties, early thirties, um, that was commissioned by an author, and that that has become something that's been a staple. Then the uh, Coca Cola polar bear. And we first brought that to Rome during the Christmas parade and uh, had a young guy that works with us in that thing. And those suits are incredibly hot, but now it was really cold. So we thought, eh, everything will equalize here. He was stopped so many times (laughs) along the route that he fell out of cadence in the parade. And all these children wanted their picture. And all these adults, there may have been more adults. and, uh, And so when the parade is over, it's been over 15 minutes before we can finally get this guy back to where our gathering point. And he pulls the top of the, the costume off and he is completely drenched. And he's like, 
that was cool, but I'm never doing that again. <laughs> so there are always going to be those symbols that are somewhat timeless. And uh, we partnered with Thomas when we were doing the ice skating rink here, and it had a good a good draw to it. Um, Christmas time, uh, of course, most importantly for me personally, is the celebration of Christ. Um, but there's other um, things that go along with that, and, and certainly the polar bear can most often be associated with that. Well, one thing I've always been fascinated with, and, and I'm speaking, I guess, uh, generically here, you go into certain regions of the country, and if they want to go get purchase a soft drink, they're at a ball game, you're going to go to the concession stand. Some parts of the country, they're going to go get a pop. Some places, they're going to go get a soda. Down here, you're going to go get a Coke. Always. And you may get to the concession stand and choose to get a Sprite mm-hmm. or get a fan of orange, but you're, you're go- I'm going to go get a Coke because it has become the generic term for all things soft drink. Yeah, and, and that leads us to believe that this, this emerging product may actually make it. Yeah, <laughs> it might. Um, okay, let's kind of get some final thoughts here and go around and wrap up the room. Uh, John, uh, I guess any – are there going to be any changes to hometown headlines, or is it business as usual despite the, the new, the new arrangements? Um, Marietta's going to take over, and Rome News take over kind of most of the advertising building part of it. And all we'll, we'll focus more on news. Content's not going to change. You'll see a few new things coming out of us, I think, as well. It's more the partnership where we're going to go with it. Our footprint, of course, across Northwest Georgia. Um, you know, still local news. In fact, a heavy more, a much more heavy investment in local news and local advertising as well. So, yeah, I think you're going to see us be a little bit more um, out there. How's that? Sure. And any uh, for anybody to reach out to you or contact you or do business with you, what any contact information? Best number for me personally is uh, druck at hometown headlines, one word, plural, hometownheadlines.com. Of course, you can reach us through the paper as well. You'll see the print in there as well. But uh, that's the best one. Phone number 706-346-2031. Better to text because I can't hear. <laughs> well, you're, you're hearing just fine today. Not today at all. Thank God for these headphones. Trust me. No, it's an easier way to do it. And it's more convenient as well for that. But no, it's fun. It's a, we have a lot going on. And one story real quick, we have your heads up on. Keep an eye on what's happening. You guys may know more about this. What's happening along I-75 between Adairsville and Calhoun. We got, and, and Thomas is over here nodding his head, but there is something huge happening there. When you got a half billion dollars in spec buildings going on in the Union Grove area, keep a sharp eye on that. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, Mike uh, with Lumina Coffee, uh, just final thoughts, contact information, uh, location again, so people can come uh, drink your great product. Sure, absolutely. And uh, just a a call out to all your listeners, thank you so much for giving us three years of opportunity here. We appreciate that. Uh, In the short term, uh, you might even see a little bit more on a side business hustle, so to speak. The Neat Syrup Company, it's an offshoot. Uh, my son, Matthew, has devised and food chemistry all the sauces and syrups. In fact, we had an interaction with Coke a little while ago down in Atlanta, which was really fun. We'll take that off the line, Danny. Um, but very cool. Uh, new things that are happening all the time. We'll try to keep the community abreast of that. But right next to the Rome Brave Stadium, great way to think about it. Uh, and Danny with Rome Coca-Cola United Bottling. Um, I guess we do business with you everywhere we go. <laughs> everywhere we go, that's right. But I would first want to say I'd, I'd like to thank the, the listeners for allowing us to be a fabric of the Rome and Floyd County communities, um, not just as a business partner, but as somebody that lives and works and worships and uh, just uh, carries out this thing we call life here. Uh, we do not take that for granted. Uh, we take it as a great value, and uh, we have a, a, a huge responsibility. Um, to be good business partners within the community. And we're gratefully, 
grateful and very appreciative of that. Um, the new thing is we've got some new product lines coming out. There's a new product called Starlight that's uh, just now launching. You'll be able to see it in small increments as we load it in. Uh, try that. It's a little variation of something uh, off of Coke. If you like Coke Zero or anything along those lines, you may want to try that. It's uh, it's not for every palate, um, but you never know who likes it and who don't. My our, our own litmus test is my wife and my 15-year-old daughter. If they like it, then it typically means I won't. I'm a traditionalist. I, <laughs> just give me a leaded Coca-Cola and we'll be fine. Um, but I, I would just say also before I, I finish, I'd like to thank Mr. Druckenmiller for what he does. Um, I, I think going back to what he speaks of with integrity in the media, uh, we all need that. And we need that more than we really realize because we all get wrapped up in our own perspectives or our own narratives. And it's always good to have a neutral uh, party out to the side here that says, hey, this is what it looks like. And this encompasses all perspectives. And here's the truth. And here's what it really is. And measure that against us. Um, it's just something that we all need through a media outlet. And I personally think some media outlets can become more of a, a opinion piece. So to find something that just tells the straight truth and the straight news, we appreciate that for Illumina coffee. <clears throat> I want to thank you. And, um, you know, I probably ought to own stock in that as much as my wife comes there. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what drew us there was knowing your relationship, um, with, uh, our, our Lord and Savior. So yeah. we appreciate that. And um, that's, you know, I didn't mean to get too too far out there, but we really are appreciative for the opportunity we have in the community. Oh, no, don't stop. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Thomas, final thoughts from the chamber? Well, this conversation reminds me of a uh, conference that I attended many, many, many years ago about search engine marketing and optimization. And um, the keyword or the key um, sentence was always, Content is king, you know, content is king. And uh, that goes for everything, you know, that goes for the newspaper, that goes for uh, uh, consumer products like, like Coca-Cola or coffee, you know, um, the content, it's about the content. And if you have content, you know, people realize that content needs to be transparent, okay. you know, we have to be transparent. And I, I take away a few little things that you said and, you know, that all, you know, we can take that to our relationship with our members at the chamber, you know, I love what you said, you know, we are here, we are sincere. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, Rome is a wonderful and unique place to be. You know, you came back, you've been around the world, you live in, man, in the Bahamas, you know, <laughs> I'm here, came here from Germany. This is the place to be. And, you know, the future looks bright. Uh, more and more things uh, are about to happen. And um, yeah, looking forward to have a, Great, diverse community to work with, uh, especially with you guys on board. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank appreciate you. it, thank guys. You. Yeah, that thank was you, the, guys. This was a good show. Way to sum us up there, Thomas. Thanks for listening, everybody. We've been broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. This is Rome Business Radio. I'm Roger Manus. We'll see you next time.